This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We are chatting this week about the Browns' current state of the cap situation because, as you know, it is a uh, delicate balance the Browns are going to be walking as they approach you know, their, their decisions on J.J. Watt, who they seem, from all reports, to be heavily invested in trying to see if there is a way to fit him into this roster. And there are plenty of questions that come up about where the cap is, how much the Browns can offer. There were rumblings just yesterday about a $17 million per year offer, similar almost to what J.J. was making in Houston this upcoming season. And it was kind of a how the Browns can afford that type of number. Not that I think they'll come in at that number, but just a how the Browns can afford all of the different needs they have, balancing it with the future that is, uh, you know, the contract negotiations that are going to be creeping up for Baker, creeping up for Nick Chubb potentially, obviously as well Denzel Ward, Wyatt Teller's on the forefront. So you're looking at a lot of important cap questions. And as I look at things like over the cap and uh, and some others, I'm always kind of interested in, you know, how much do the Browns actually have versus what is actually called or deemed rollover cap, right? Like that is an interesting element to me is all of those years in which the Browns have not spent the number to reach the cap. They get that money rolled over. They've rolled that money over a couple more times. How does that structure work? How do contracts such as Odell Beckham and uh, Jarvis Landry structure in case the Browns want to maybe potentially move on from those guys? Uh, at some point, not telling you that this is a, what's going to happen or it's what I'm favoring. Just something that could happen. Keep that in mind. Uh, I want to talk about a lot of these topics. So it's important as we as we creep closer to free agency and the draft. And obviously we're doing uh, stuff at the OBR on all these positions. It started with corners. We did edge rushers last week doing safeties tonight. We'll have a live film room this this, uh, this is obviously Wednesday night. If you if you hopefully catch it, if you're listening to this podcast after Wednesday, you can uh, you can go back and watch it. We'll have it up for uh, any of you subscribers to watch. But it's interesting, you know, the, the names that are out there for the safeties this week, the names that have been out there at edge that have, that have obviously now been uh, bumped up a little bit because J.J., uh, Watt is now a street free agent, meaning he can sign at any point. So it's all getting very interesting, and I want to make sure that people have a decent feel for the cap. So I wanted to bring in Brad Spielberger. Brad does great work, uh, obviously, over at Pro Football Focus, where you can find him at PFF Brad. And then he's a contributor at Over the Cap, who I think does a really great job 
uh, keeping an eye on the cap, monitoring it, and, and, and keeping fans informed of where their team is heading into important parts of the season, uh, sorry, off-season with, with uh, key decisions to be made and how much money is actually available. So excited to have Brad on. I hope this is uh, an informative podcast for you with some of these numbers. If you have questions, hit me up on Twitter, hit me up at the OBR on the Ask the Insider section, and we'll be able to answer any of those for you to try to clear up sort of where the Browns really are in the salary cap. So let's get over to that interview with Brad right now. All right, Brad, so I'm excited to have you here, man. I think this is an interesting topic, especially for Browns fans who want to sign J.J. Watt, and they want to go sign Anthony Harris, and they want to sign all these people. You know, every fan base does. They want to go sign guys. The free agency is so exciting. The first day, um, and we're going to talk about their first day last year, how that pertains to some things this year, but what I want to get to as we start is the crux of where the Browns sit with the cap right now. Because if you look at, you know, I know you do some work for Over the Cap, and I know you obviously work with Pro Football Focus too. Like, if you look at their cap, they they have a current bill that is high, that is high. They they have current cap spending is a high number, and they have also still a high number in their cap flexibility in terms of the number of 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 allotted space, free agent dollars that they have to spend or cap dollars they can spend. So what I'm kind of looking for is like, I know there is some flexibility. They they can do some things with different players, but like explain to the folks if you can how rollover cap works in general why the browns have so much of it and like how rollover cap is gone when you use it and why that is important to keep in mind when they bring some folks in and how that pertains to their future yeah so you know first thanks for having me on i appreciate you having me on um yeah so you know when we try to describe the, the cap, I think a lot of folks kind of look at it as a, a one-year operation. Uh, and in reality, you know, it's, it's both pulling from the year before and then also you can kind of borrow from the future uh, by prorating money, which just means turning money into a bonus that you can then push up to a maximum of five years down the line. So to get to the, you know, the original question, so the, the, the Browns are currently 10th in projected cap space, right around $22 million. Um, and they had the largest carryover number in the NFL. They they rolled over about 30 million in space from 2020 um, into this this next season. So as you said, they have a cap liability number um, of around 188 million. Um, but then of course, you know that extra 30 they carried over, um, you know, gives them that 22 million in space. But what carryover is is that each year you're allowed to, and every team always does the max. I, I, to my knowledge, I've never seen it where a team didn't just roll over the max, but the amount that you're below the unadjusted number is the amount that you're allowed to then roll over into the following season. So I say unadjusted, and by that I mean the NFL salary cap is $180.5 million on overthecap.com. That's what we're using right now for all these projections. That's the unadjusted number. And then, as we said, once you add in that extra 30, the Browns are then 22 you know, below that number. So if they were to finish the year below $180.5 million, that's the only amount they could then roll over again the following year. So definitely fair to be, you know, to look at it from a different lens and and say, hey, look, we are, you know, there is a large cap commitment here that they're they're under because they do have, you know, the largest carryover in the league. But at the same time, um, they have a lot of flexibility in terms of the things they can do to create short-term cap space, um, and, and because they have a lot of space in the future that they can borrow from. Which which brings me to like looking at last year's decisions like did they structure and correct me if i'm wrong here but did they kind of backlog austin hooper jack conklin last year how are those contracts sort of working into the future as they sort of get in 
past the initial phase here and start because you got to start thinking about other guys they want to keep around. And I know there's some pieces they can maneuver that will expire, but there are big contracts coming up. Baker, which we'll talk about Denzel Ward miles will kick in down the road here at some point too. Like just kind of curious how they structured Hooper and Conklin last year and how that kind of plays into their current state of the cap. Yeah. So Hooper and Conklin's structures were actually very interesting. Um, you know, for a team that had short-term cap space, they they did kind of push some money into the future. Um, they used a, a mechanism that Andrew Barry learned from his his Eagles um, counterparts, which is called void years, uh, which is where you basically add a, a dummy contract year on the end of the deal that is not a true contract year. It is just a placeholder for that prorated money I mentioned. Um, and, and so what that enables them to do is to push more money down the line as opposed to having a hit up front. And... For Conklin specifically, there's two years, two void years at the end of the deal, um, and, and I think that suggests that they might already be planning to restructure his contract this upcoming offseason. So he has a $10 million base salary, which is fully guaranteed anyways, um, and, and then only has you know $3 million so far in that prorated money column because he had a $15 million signing bonus um, over five years. So what I think they're going to probably do is now – convert some of that 10 million into an additional bonus um, and maybe let's say 8 million of the 10 million over the four remaining years. And so only 2 million of that would stick in 2021 and then 6 million in cap would become available because it would be, you know, three, $2 million installments down the line. So they did build in some structures and, and did some things that suggest that they already have plans in mind of how they can, you know, create some short term cap space. Well, that's good because they're they're going to need to fill a, a bevy of different roles. And they can only, you know, you can only play so many rookies defensively. And 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 we talk about you talk about creating cap space there. There are some names that come to mind, Brad, when you talk about guys that they could end up possibly moving on. This is not a suggestion suggestion thing. I don't want people coming at me. I'm not telling the Browns what to do, what my thoughts are, but there are names who carry a larger cap tag that could create flexibility. Uh, so it's kind of a twofold question for you, Brad. You look at OBJ, you look at Jarvis. If you can update everybody sort of where they're at, if the Browns were to like let one go, release one or trade one, are there ramifications? And then kind of maybe touch on, I think Sheldon Richardson has a, a, a potential out in his deal too. So like if they looked at those three guys to create a number that got bigger, um, you know, kind of just want to know if there is any off the top of your head or anything you know of, if they can convert any of that to bonus money, just sort of how they can bend, how it becomes malleable at that point. Yeah, so, you know, I do think, unfortunately, um, I do think the plan coming into this year was that this would be the last year for Odell Beckham Jr. in Cleveland. Of course, things can always change. Things are always fluid. Not suggesting he's not a great player or that he isn't, you know, beloved in that building. I, I don't know anything. But, um, you know, I do think that that probably was the plan coming in um, because all he had left was an injury guarantee for 2021. But obviously, as everyone knows, you know, he, he, he tore his ACL. And so that injury guarantee is now going to vest and is going to, you know, it, it's now in play. Um, and, and what the, his contract structure, basically on March 19th, which is the third day of, of the 2021 season, technically, you know, per the NFL calendar, that vests to a full guarantee. So it's guaranteed, you know, for any reason whatsoever. And so that makes a cut probably impossible. And it now would have to only be a trade. Um because I, I don't think he'd be able to pass, you know, to clear a test to show that he's, you know, rec fully recovered and, and the 
you know, the injury guarantee is no longer in play. I think that will not happen by March 19th. So um, he's probably not cuttable at this point. I think it was something they were probably mulling over before um, before that injury. Um, so now, you know, if a team wants to take him on a trade, that that's one way to get out of it. And, and they would clear, you know, about $15 million in, in money and have no dead cap, no dead money remaining. Um, but, you know, the, the issue there is, the trade return obviously wouldn't be great considering the guy is still in the midst of rehab for a significant, you know, ACL injury. So probably move on from him. Um, you know, he's probably going to stick around. Maybe they look to restructure or do something to kind of ease the cap hit. But, you know, I think he'll now be a Brown, um, you know, at least for the first half of 2021, um, if not the full season. So then you move on to Jarvis. Um, you know, I know, I know Brown, obviously you guys run a lot of 12 personnel. Um, Harrison Bryant showed a lot of flashes. I, I thought he stood out on tape a bunch and was getting better as the year went on. Um, so, you know, obviously you expect him and Hooper to, to play a lot and I guess a little bit of Njoku as well. So, you know, I see, I see how folks think I've seen a lot of Browns Twitter kind of say Jarvis is redundant or he's kind of, you know, his impact isn't as big on our team because we already have a lot of guys kind of on the interior, on the offense. Um, yeah, he, he, there's definitely cap flexibility there as well. Um, you know, a cut of him would only have 3 million in that dead money and they could clear about 11.75 million. Um, if they want to just outright cut him. I bet he has some decent trade value as well, so probably not necessary. You could maybe get a team to, you know, send over a day two pick for, for Jarvis at this point. He's still a productive player. Um, you know, again, not a speedster or doesn't really, you know, not a dynamic player like we talk about some receivers, but, you know, highly productive, you know, consistent player. Um, and then, yeah, Sheldon Richardson is one that probably stands out. Um, also been a very productive player for a long time, but now, what, 31, 32 years old. Um, you know, per our grading, you know, it definitely had a, a bit of a down year compared to what we've seen from him in the past. Um, and again, they can clear eleven and a half million there and only have uh, 1.66 million in dead money. So, again, a very flexible option there. And, and you mentioned, you know, J.J. Watt at the top. Uh, obviously, you know, Richardson is more of a three tech. J.J. could play, you know, kind of a four or five tech on the interior potentially. Um, but I know I think you guys run a four three under front. So I guess he would be, you know, a, an, edge, an edge player in Cleveland. But he does have you know, some experience on the inside as well. So, um, you know, I think Richards is probably the most, most likely, you know, candidate of those three guys. It's interesting because to me, there are layers to, to what they want to do in the short term here, seeing a potential window of opportunity to, Hey, we can go win a super bowl. Um, but also being flexible about guys down the road and where this team shifts when it does have to go away from those two big name wide receivers, whether that happens earlier or later, you know, what I'm interested before we kind of talk about what extensions I think are coming a little bit, like J.J. Watt, the Browns, you know, I think if he wants to just simply ring chase for the highest percentage of which a ring can come, Tampa Bay, Green Bay probably make the most sense with definitive quarterbacks who they know year to year, every year are going to be really solid players. Baker obviously took a lot of good strides, but you kind of still are like, you know, let's see that repetitive thing happen here. But it does make sense in Cleveland because of some flexibility to pay him a little bit. Like what money spot? I know I know Pro Football Focus, which you've been involved with, there kind of uh, has predicted him maybe to to end up in Cleveland. Like what figure makes sense for both sides there, in your opinion? Yeah, so that's kind of the the, the calculation for him is I, I agree Tampa and Green Bay. Not only because the quarterbacks, I also just think the NFC is, is is a weaker conference, frankly, and so there's just more avenues to success there. I mean, you know, as we saw with Tampa Bay in their first season. Um, but yeah, but, but those teams, you know, Tampa has a lot of guys they're going to want to retain. Um, they're in a good cap situation as well, but a lot of their own free agents, I think JJ will take a discount. He will not get chase his market rate, but it's not a, not a substantial one. 
Um, the contract I predicted for him uh, was two years, $25 million, which probably sounds very, very small. But $20 million of that, I figure, would be like fully guaranteed. And that number is more reflective of a much larger, you know, you know, basically 20 million fully guaranteed. You typically see on a, you know, 40 million dollar contract, but he's getting it on a smaller total value. So there's just more assurances, but less potential for, you know, for for larger dollar amounts. Um, so, you know, that's that's something I could see. And again, as we talked about on the top, they could kind of backload it with some void years and, and you know, Andrew Barry could work his magic and, and the cap hit in 2021. You know, wouldn't be it, it could be as small as, you know, six, seven million dollars if they really wanted to, you know, keep it as small as possible. I'm with it. I'm with it. I'm interested to see how that picks up in the coming days. Well, I talked about some of the extensions, Brad, like we'll focus on Baker because the quarterback decision is so important and it just it changes everything about your cap structure. It changes everything about what you can do around the guy. Like if they were to pull the trigger on Baker I guess let me ask you this. Is there a way you could envision they sign Baker to something similar to Garoppolo where they have some structured outs if things fall apart? Or do you think at this point, if there any conversation they have with Baker, it's all guaranteed like, hey man, Baker believes that what he's done here is the future in terms of like he won't take any incentive-laden deals. He just wants to to make a number that is you know, kind of fixed and finite, or is there like the the idea, in your opinion, that they wait another year and try to do it another year, and maybe he has an even better year, and then it becomes an even bigger bill to pay? So, like, I guess this is a rough, I, I didn't frame the question greatly here, but, like, where do you <laughs> think they sit with Baker? Do you think they want to sign him early here in this offseason? And if they do, where do you kind of, I guess, where do you ballpark where he is paid-wise in that sort of grand scheme of quarterback uh, you know, year to year cap hits. I really do find it to be a fascinating situation. Um, you know, of the 2018 quarterbacks coming up for an extension that, you know, we expect to probably potentially sign an early deal, you know, him, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, he's the only one who's, you know, the GM did not draft him, um, to the team. So kind of a little bit more flexibility there. Whereas, you know, obviously Brandon Bean and, and um, Eric DaCosta in Baltimore, um, Brandon being in Buffalo want to, you know, look like geniuses and look how, you know, how great I did drafting this guy. Now I'm going to give him the big money deal that, you know, he earned and all that. Whereas, you know, Barry has shown he, he can go against the grain. He's not afraid to think differently. So maybe less pressure or less onus there. Um, albeit at the same time, obviously Browns fans, you know, seem to love Baker and, and all that he's, you know, brought to Cleveland that, you know, they'd never had before, but like you said before, the thing is, yes, he's shown like we have stretches of play where he he grades as one of the best quarterbacks in the league for six weeks at a time. But then we also, you know, see some of the, you know, the opposite where he has stretches of six weeks where, he you know, he struggles a lot. So it wouldn't shock me if, if they said, hey, look, we, we, you know, because of the cap and, and we're trying to go for a Super Bowl and all that, like we don't want to, you know, more is more of a cash question. You know, we don't want to extend you because we need to save that cash for for other guys. I could see it, but. In general, when you feel confident and feel secure about a you know first round and obviously first overall pick quarterback, um, you generally sign the early extension because, as you mentioned, the the fear and and the, and the rational fear is that yeah he kills it again in 2021 and then you go from signing him for and I guess I'll give my range I, I think he's probably in like the 35 to 38 million per year range right now. Um, you know, then if he has another outstanding year and then you know Josh Allen signs for I think maybe potentially even more than that. Um, Jackson probably same range, um, but then you know then another class of guys comes comes up. Then Baker could be asking for forty plus million per year. So you do kind of run that risk a little bit. 
Um, and so that's why teams do tend to trend that direction. But obviously this offseason is the offseason of Jared Goff and Carson Wentz kind of as a cautionary tales as to why the early extension can also be a bad idea where you, you haven't seen a large enough sample size of good play. Um, you try to get the discount and then it comes back to bite you. So, so both sides of the coin, you know, definitely have solid arguments. <laughs> They're in a really weird situation there, man, because you're right. I, while I, everybody that listens to this podcast would say, well, Baker's not Carson. He's not, he's not, you know, God, you never know. You never know when it could fall apart. I don't think, I don't think Eagles fans expected Carson to fall apart the way he did. So, yeah, I, I think there's certainly more risk involved than people want to admit, and I, I believe Baker can do it. I think he showed really good signs that he can handle the franchise label. He can handle an offense the way he did down the stretch, uh, bearing the, 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 the majority of the burden. And um, But it's it does come with risk because it's, it's, not, it's not something that we've seen locked in for an extended period of time. We'll see. Maybe like the extended period of time thing would have been great if – Kevin Stefanski was your head coach four years ago, but he wasn't, you know, it's, it's, you're now you're compressed and you have to analyze this stuff quickly. And then you have to analyze an extension in a shorter window too, with the weird cap thing going on. So I would not be in the least bit surprised if both sides decided to say, Hey, let's be patient here, pick up the fifth year and we'll go from there. And you know, if they're, if he's good, they're going to figure out a way to make it work. Like ultimately, yeah, you might give up three, four, five million than you anticipated, but He's here. And that would be what matters, right? Like, that's the home run. Baker's really good. That's awesome. Now we got to give up a little bit more. But, hey, he's also really good. So take that for what it's worth. So um, that's the balancing act. And, like, there are other big names, too. Like, do you uh, – if they keep Nick Chubb around, it's a big topic of conversation because you do have to talk about Baker starting to eat up a large chunk of the cap around a similar time. Nick is, uh, you know, going to be starting to see his numbers kick in. Like, if they keep Nick around, is he, like, Dalvin Cook range? Is he – is he looking at even more like Derrick Henry? Where do you kind of see that money figure uh, fitting in? Yeah, so it does get interesting, right? Because now you're, you know, you have a couple guys, and obviously this is a good problem to have. You know, first, like you said, it's a good problem to have. If Baker does kill it, yeah, they'd say, you know what, we could have had a discount, but whatever. We have we have our franchise guy. Um, at the same time, you know, how often are the Browns? Are we talking about three rookies from the same class potentially, you know, getting early extensions and how they're all gonna hit the cap? Like, it's a good problem to have, but. Um, Chubb's a very interesting one. You know, I would say first and foremost, Kareem Hunt's extension running one year beyond Nick Chubb's ex- expiration of his deal is not an accident. Um, you know, Andrew Barry did that for a reason. It uh, kind of provides a little bit of leverage and kind of just says, hey, look, we have a we have an alternative option if you you know, don't want to take our number and just we can't agree. Like, look, we want to keep you, but, you know, we're set if, if that's not the case. So, um, you know, that that was not an accident. I, I think. I think he would come in a little bit above those guys. Um, you know, Dalvin was about 13 million a year, um, but and and I think is a little bit more dynamic in the passing game, but obviously far less durable. You know, some injury issues there, whereas Chubb, for the most part, has been pretty solid. Um, a couple of nicks and bruises along the way, but you know, nothing as substantial as as Dalvin Cook. I think probably about you know 14 million per year, something like that. Um, and again, you can you can backload and all that, but. It does start to get tough when when you're trying to work around, you know, a bunch of, you know, at that point, Garrett, Baker, Chubb, and then obviously I'm sure we'll get to Denzel Ward. Like, it does start to get a little bit complicated there. Um, and like you said, also just, you know, filling out your defense with non-rookie players, um, you know, and then obviously, you know, the wide receiver room could, could be, need to be overhauled, stuff like that. So um, Chubb will be a very interesting one. I, I think they will do it. But I would say of all the GMs in the NFL that I would I would trust to potentially not do it and believe in the, you know, the analytics that, you know, we kind of you know, the propaganda we push that's, 
you know, folks think is anti-running back and all that. Like, I think Andrew Barry might buy into that more than other GMs do. Especially the way the offense is structured. That's a good point, man. I'll leave you with this question right before we go. I'm putting you on the dot. Didn't prepare you for this one. So you tell me off the top of your head, predictions for Browns free agency. Who do they land? And, um, yeah, we'll just leave it at that. What do you think free agency brings Cleveland? It's a good question. I think they're probably going to look um, – you know, I think they will look to spend on defense just because we kind of saw, um, you know, how, how things fell apart. But but obviously with Delpit and Williams, you know, coming back from injury, they have they've invested so much in the draft there that maybe they think that just health could could get them back. Um, so J.J. is interesting, although I, I will say I, I think part of me thinks he's kind of leveraging the Browns to get the Packers to just like reach their maximum offer. Um you know, so, sorry, Browns fans. I kind of think that's how. Not that he disrespects the Browns or wouldn't go there, but I think at the moment that's kind of my read on that situation. Um, so I think they should look at maybe these kind of that second tier of wide receivers. So I think a guy like a Curtis Samuel, like or just a dynamic kind of throw him everywhere. They played him in the slot, but have also put mm-hmm. him out wide as a deep threat. He also can take some, you know, some carries out of the backfield. Great after the catch player. Um, you know, but not not going to break the bank there by any means necessary. Or maybe even look, you know, for, for a veteran presence. I could see like a Marvin Jones, um, kind of as your typical Z, you know, like just a, a solid, um, you know, kind of not a deep threat, but, you know, a jump ball, go up and get it type of guy that Baker could kind of just throw up a prayer to and, and he'd be a good guy to, you know, come down with it. Um, and so I see that on offense. And then on defense, I think they will try to shore up the, the, the defensive line. Um, I don't know if Larry O will be back, Larry Ogunjobi. Um, obviously Olivier Vernon, a very unfortunate injury in week 17 to the Achilles. Um, and as we discussed, you know, Sheldon Richardson, you know, potentially a cap casualty, you know, maybe not because, you know, because they're kind of thin there, but there's some interesting pieces there. Uh, again, they're not going to probably spend on the top guys. Um, but you could look at like a Daquan Jones from Tennessee, kind of just like a, a solid run stuffer on the interior. Um, well, now, yeah, now you did put me in the spot, but, but, uh, yeah, just, just kind of like shoring up a lot of holes on defense with kind of that mid tier, that kind of second tier, um, you know, options like a Lawrence guy from new England, older guy, really kind of just a run, run stuffing specialist, but, but a solid player that can just bring a good presence. Um, yeah, just, just guys like that, that just kind of round out your roster, bring some veterans. They have some now, but are still a very young team and defense. Um, but, but not breaking the bank because I agree that they, they are going to, and they should be, be saving that top dollar for their own, you know, homegrown guys. Well, he's at PFF underscore Brad on Twitter. Make sure you're following him. I, I can't thank you enough, Brad spontaneously got a hold of you today. Cause I, I was really, I'm just enthralled by the cap situation and discussions that happen in front of me all day, whether it's through, you know, us at the OBR com- conversing about it or folks on Twitter who just don't really have a great grasp for it. And I think you helped clear a lot of this stuff up for folks today. So I appreciate your time, my friend. Yeah, thank you for having me on, man. Thanks for joining us. I appreciate you taking some time out of your day to listen to this podcast. I appreciate Brad for also taking the time to join us and chat about what is uh, what is an, an interesting, malleable, always moving target, which is the salary cap. So uh, that's great stuff from Brad. If you if you follow him, um, you know you'll you'll stay as informed as I am, and I think you'll learn some things. So uh, make sure you're doing that, and, and make sure you're following us at the OBR, subscribing where we have great offers going right now, and in a very important time of the year with uh, with Rumor Central and what we're able to connect the dots between. Between what Lane does and what Brad does at our place, Browns by Brad, who does a great job talking to agents, so on and so forth. 
Make sure you're checking us out at the OBR. Subscribe to this podcast, uh, like and review it if you can, and then also check out our OBR YouTube channel where once again we'll have uh, more film draft content coming in the uh, foreseeable future. So check that out. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, guys, appreciate you all, and go Browns. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.